Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And today we're showcasing from the Mix 100, which is only available on Sci-Fi Talk Plus. You can subscribe by clicking on the link in the show notes. And we start off with number 20 and Adam Hugo. Hi, today we have Adam Hugill, who plays Constable Carrot Iron Founderson, say that three times, on the new BBC America series, The Watch. Welcome, Adam. It's uh, great to uh, have you on the podcast. Talk about this wonderful show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'll tell you, uh, what was it like when you first got the part? Did you do any research for him uh, to go to Terry's uh, books to kind of see who he was? Yeah, so actually, I uh, I just got the call from my agent uh, that there was a, a new TV series coming up, uh, and I was in the gym at the time actually, uh, and and I was like, oh great, this sounds cool, I'm really excited. And then he was like, so the character's called Carrot, and I was like, excuse me, um, <laughs> Carrot. His name is Carrot, and he's like, yeah, 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 just just go with me, just go with me. And I was like, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. So I uh, I got two scripts sent through, which was amazing, and uh, I got to sort of sort of really get a a whirlwind tour of this world by reading the two scripts and then doing loads of research online about the character, the world of uh, Morpork and Discworld, everything. So it was, a, it was a sort of baptism by fire. I'd never read any of the books before as, as a child. Um, I'd heard, you know, he's a master and I obviously knew of Terry Pratchett being, I think he's huge over here. So, but I sort of grew up on Tolkien and, and, and stuff. And my dad read me The Hobbit when I was a kid and all that. So I never sort of went to Terry's world, sadly. But uh, so I did a lot of research into, uh, into the character and what the world was about. And yeah, our scripts were were wonderful to to have as uh, a sort of parallel to what we were going to create as well on top of all of that. In the in the stories and novels, he's kind of like the paperwork guy. Is Sam's <laughs> teasing of him being doing paperwork? Is that kind of a nod to the stories? You think? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it, I think <laughs> Carrot is a very very strong willed and passionate man. Not always about the things you'd expect either, but he's very passionate about paperwork, doing things by the book, and in a city where you know crime is technically, in a way, legal, uh, doing things by the book isn't um, exactly what he thought it would look like. So he's pretty baffled by it all. Yeah, he really tries to to fight the system and and do exactly what he thinks crime fighting should be, and uh, find loopholes in the system to to exploit that. I like in the first episode that we kind of see everything through his eyes so mm-hmm. that we come into it as an audience and we have somebody to kind of introduce us to this wonderful group of misfits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a really crazy and fun world. How do, what do you think his relationship is with Richard Dormer's Sam, uh, Sam Vimes? So I think at the beginning of the story, in the, in the first two episodes especially, it's a very... Um, we're sort of uh, butting heads a little bit. We're very, um, we're coming from very different uh, lifestyles and, uh, and viewpoints, viewpoints really. But it's a very tumultuous relationship, especially in the, in the first two episodes. You know, um, I come in and, I, and, I, and I'm strong-willed and naive as well. And I think I can do all these amazing things. And it turns out that, you know, crime is gilded and quoted and basically legal. And, and there's no way around it. But I'm like, no, 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 there has to be a way. I need to find the loopholes in this. I've got to, I've got to fight crime. And, and, and I think Vimes has sort of just sat in his ways and got used to it and accepted that this is this is what it is he seems very unhappy with everything and i think 
Carrot sort of, me and Richard had spoke about it at length, you know, in, in the pre-production and stuff and how Carrot was sort of uh, what Vimes had always thought he would be and, and, and could be. And yet he never turned out to be that way. So I think Vimes is sort of, we sort of spoke about a, a bit of jealousy, really, that he, Carrot was coming in this new fresh face, young guy, strapping bloke. And he, and he turns up and he does everything that Vimes wishes he had and could have done, but yet didn't do. So there's, there's a bit of a tumultuous relationship for them at the beginning, but they, they end up putting heads, obviously, for a while and then eventually sync up and start to understand one another's uh, dialogue, I guess. There's a relationship I do like very much in the series so far. I saw it in the pilot with Mary McCorlett's uh, Angua. <laughs> the scene where he brings her her clothes. This is a wonderful thing that actors can do, even without dialogue, the way they look, characters look at each other. Mm. It seems to me, and I'd like your comment, that there could be something there between the two of them. Yeah, I mean, we shot that scene, I think, on the first week of filming uh, back in September 2019. So that was a long time ago now. But um, yeah, it was a lovely scene. I do remember it fondly, actually, because me and Mars were still getting to know each other um, as you know, people, never mind the characters. So it was, um, it was a suddenly like we were thrown into this this love-hate relationship, I sort of feel it is, between Anger and Kara um, throughout the series. Because very similar to Vimes as well, we're, we're butting heads along the way. But um, over the course of the series, we realise that our, our motives are the same, me and Anger, and we want, we want the same things, but we just have different ways of going about it. Um, like you say, mine is by the book and hers is a little more, let's um, shoot some goblins and, and, and stuff. But yeah, we're both very stubborn. Um, but I think uh, when when we're in, yeah, we we do sync up quite nicely. That's all I can really say. I think there's more of the Mix 100 from Sci-Fi Talk Plus now here on Sci-Fi Talk in a moment. Well, one of the things that maybe this isn't a case with you, but when actors kind of wear the clothes of their character. In your case, did that help you find Carrot a little faster, maybe once you put on the clothes and like Ian McClellan yeah. said for uh, Gandalf, ah, there he is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think for me, um, I, I especially like now, um, I, I really strive, I sound so stupid, I struggle with acting. I, I struggle to just do it. I have to have physical things there for me. So, I mean, Carrot in the books is this, is this you know, Carrot-shaped man um, and a big sort of force. He's, he's very big and he enters into this world and he's, you know, strong and powerful. So, I mean, for me, it, before in pre-production, when I got the role, they set me up with a personal trainer and stuff to, to sort of help me build muscle because I'm a very slim, sort of skinny, tall, lanky looking guy. Um, so they wanted to be to build a bit more meat on me, just feel a bit more a bit more like a carrot. So I've always got skinny ankles anyway, so that's fine. They're, they're sorted from birth. But uh, they wanted to pack a bit more muscle on the shoulder, you know, on the chest, just to really sit into this guy. And, and then when I whacked the costume on when I got to South Africa, you know, five weeks later, that you carry yourself in a, in a different way. And then with the mindset of the character you've, you've created, as you, you know, you bring to the show when you start filming, it really helped just, I mean, especially getting my hair dyed ginger as well. Everything, I had all sorts, you know. So, yeah, you suddenly you suddenly really feel like you can bring everything you, you want, where putting the clothes on, dyeing the hair, working out, and yeah, you start to feel a different, a different way. Talk about those sets. Incredible, the world that was built for you mm. guys, so that when you literally go on set, you know you're somewhere else. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it, it was unbelievable, really. Um, I, I, I've not, I've sort of done a handful of work before I did this, um, but this was this was unbelievable, really. Simon Rogers, the the set designer, and all the crew out there that helped him uh, build all this stuff were unbelievable. It was, it was literally. I think uh, Simon uh, Allen keeps saying. Uh, fantasy with fingerprints you know everything was there for us you know we had a 360 degree set that was 30 foot high in the watch house like you you'd look anywhere the camera could look anywhere you as the actor and the character could look anywhere and you were still in this world it was it was, it was amazing and there was con constantly new sets we were building uh, that were being built and we were arriving onto and it was just it was so immersive and it was it was a wonderful experience to be on something that had such attention to detail as well and I want to say for the any diehard fans of the books that there are a thousand and one uh, Easter eggs hidden around the set, which uh, <laughs> you might be able to spot. <laughs> cool. Very cool. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I love Misfits and this is a wonderful yeah. gang of Misfits. I think we all feel that way, you know, finding a sense of belonging sometime mm. in our lives. Uh, and then you plug in these wonderful actors, starting with yourself and Sam and, and Joe Eaton, Kent and Marimu, of course, yeah. What's the set like when you all are there together? The the chemistry is definitely there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great really because you know, as I say, you're in these 360 degree sets. So as soon as you walk on as your character in your clothes, you you all sort of bounce off each other. And we're doing such crazy scenes and, and, <laughs> and crazy storylines that you're all just saying absolute gibberish, but it it, it it sort of fuses you all together to have a great time and go on this journey as the characters and it's strange now watching it, watching it back. You you forget that there was a KFC next door to the to the watch house exterior set. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. because you see the world extended on a blue screen, you're like, oh my god, that that now feels like the world I imagined in my head when I was there. You know, and yeah. So the the environment was great. It was great fun. You know, we just had a we just had a blast filming these mental scenes for six months. More with Adam Hugill in a moment. Have you uh, had any encounters with the goblins yet? With the goblins, uh, I mean, they're a testy bunch. Uh, yes. I mean, uh, but unfortunately, we don't know a thing that they're saying. Um, that yeah, they exactly. Very funny things in the series. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts. And yeah, credit Simon for uh, for bringing. You know, there's there, and that's really something that I think he's doing very well. There's mm. humor, but all the characters have their sense of pathos. Your yeah. character being raised by dwarves and and talk about being a misfit right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, you know, and his clothes and everything. So mm. I, I like that. That Yes, you we, there's humor, but there's some pathos. And I think that really, to me, that combination drives the series so far for me. Yeah, I think there's a beautiful balance of that, you know, good way. Oh, that's good. This is kind of its own world. And you've been in, in period pieces, too, like the world <laughs> yeah. of Alfred, Alfred's butler in Pennyworth. Yeah. Uh, and, and talk about it. That's a very stylized series, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my first first job out of, after leaving drama school. I just had a had wow. a, a one scene in it, and it was just uh, yeah, that was crazy. I remember being at the read through and stuff, and it was just this mad, mad world. I, I seem to be in mad, mad world shows and, <laughs> and films at the moment. That's all I seem to be doing. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good fun. It's I think that's the thing. You know, I, I became an actor, or wanted to always be an actor because you know you just want to have fun. You see all these huge budget movies and, and TV shows, small budget, and they're all just these rich you know worlds that you can just escape to. So I love being a part of them. 
And, and something completely different was 1917, mm. too. Uh, obviously, yeah, a yeah. highly acclaimed film talking yeah. about, you know, something that really happened in our history. So uh, mm. what was that experience like for you? It was amazing, honestly. I think it's still to this day one of the most baffling,ly brilliant experiences of my life. I, I was so excited because I auditioned for uh, the lead in that film, uh, George's part, um, and I went in and met the casting director for that and did all the scenes. And then months later, months and months later, after George had been cast and Dean and everyone, I suddenly got a call from my agent saying, like, Nina wants you to come and meet Sam. Sam wants to meet you. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, please. And I was doing a play at the time. And I went in and met, and then it was just this awesome meeting. And then again, months, months later, I finally got the part and then got to be on set. And it was just this unbelievable story. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it was, it was an honour to be a part of it, really. And, I, and I've loved Sam Mendes' work since I was a kid. You know, Road to Perdition, I think, was my oh, first yeah. movie of his I saw. And I was... Yeah, so I was just, and Roger Deakins as well. I'm, I'm obsessed with cinematography, so I'm just a big nerd, oh, really, of all things cinema. So, oh, my God, just to see him on set and talking about a shot was just fascinating. So, yeah, it was just a fascinating and amazing experience for me. I've Yeah, I've been very lucky. Yeah. So it, it seems like when you're not acting, um, you know, on screen, do you mm. like to do stage work as well? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean... Sadly, at the moment, the theatres have all yeah. been shut down for, you know, going on a year now. And it's, it's awful. I miss seeing theatres. I've not seen uh. a play since December of 2019, which is awful. But uh, yeah, I, I love the theatre. I know I was trained, I was trained at drama school in the theatre. So um, I feel I'm better on stage. I, feel, I just feel better on stage. I just, it's raw, it's there. You're just there for two hours. Bang, your character's there. You're gone. You go home, go to bed. And, and that's it. It's... I think it's just such a special thing. So I can't wait to get back into a theater. Yeah. You're talking to somebody here in New York city that had Broadway oh, since March. Oh, so it's God, very, man. very strange yeah. to say the least. Do you think you'd ever want to step behind the camera on, uh, on the watch and direct an episode? Oh God, I don't know whether I could direct something this early <laughs> on in my career. Uh, I'm only just starting here, but yeah, I mean, at some point in my life, I would like to, step behind a camera in, in some way I think it'd be it'd be really I, I just I even when they're setting up a shot I'm fascinated by what's going on and listening to them all talking about how to set a shot what lens they're using and, and the lighting as well as I say I'm obsessed with cinematography so um yeah I think I want to I want to spend a good another 10 years hopefully touch wood uh learning about <laughs> everything and then maybe I'll maybe I'll do a Paul Bettany and make a short film and then a movie who knows that's an excellent strategy well, yeah. it's, it's been great to talk to you, Adam. Uh, obviously, all of you are very talented actors. You can't fake the chemistry that you guys have. And uh, it's a lot of fun to watch this series. Oh, As I said, you. such a wonderful combination of humor, drama, mm. and pathos. And it's such a lovely mix. And um, I, when I first saw the world, I was totally blown away by it. And I go, wow, I feel like I'm there. So yeah. it's a credit to you and all the craftsmen that are working on the series. And we just heard part of what's on Sci-Fi Talk Plus. It's a great podcasting gift, not only for yourself, but also for friends and family. There's 900 episodes, commercial-free, uncut, and even special programs. The best part, it's free. Click on the link in the show notes for free lifetime access. The Mix 100 is part of Sci-Fi Talk Plus, and who selects it? Well, you the listeners, of course. The ones you're hearing are the, is the current list, but that will update as people pick the episodes they listen to. It's all done by downloads. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.